we launched our Ugly Christmas Sweater series last week. And uh, I hope that you remember that on the 24th, we hope to make this place as ugly as possible, okay? So uh, we hope that you're preparing uh, for your, to wear your ugly Christmas sweater or whatever you might be coming up with on the 24th. Uh, we would love to see it, and uh, it's going to be a good time. But we talked about last week, we looked at what Paul shared in Philippians, and we talked about how sometimes around this time of year, Christmas, like our sweaters, can make our thoughts ugly. Right? And over the thousands of thoughts that we have in a day, 80% of them are negative and 95% of them are repetitive. So we are people that are naturally wired to think about what is negative more than we think about what is positive, right? We repeat those thoughts over and over. And Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, he said, think about what is good, what is admirable, what is true, and, and think about such things, So what we realized is, although the the playlists that we listen to might be uh, repetitive, they might be negative, God can rewire us and give us a new playlist, right? Our sweaters may be ugly, but our thoughts don't have to be, right? Our thoughts don't have to be. And this week, uh, we're going to talk about our words, right? We're going to talk about our words because spending time with friends and family during the Christmas season can too often result in us saying things that we regret Tensions can run high, and if we're not careful to tame our tongues, we can find ourselves hurting those we love with the words that we say. But what if we realize this Christmas how much our words matter, right? How much our words have an impact. James, in James chapter 3, verses 3 through 12, begins to talk about this. And last week, uh, we saw Paul, he gave us a final exhortation. If anybody remembers, it is where he emphasized, he emphatically emphasized, he urged us to think about such things, right? This week's a little bit different tone, but it's still good. James gives us a warning, right? He's warning us of the importance of our words, the importance of our tongue. And, and, and so we see kind of the different tones that are taking place. And, and it starts in verse 3 when he says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But verse 8. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James gives us a lot to unpack in this passage. And I'm going to break them down in verses 3 through 6. He uses a metaphor, right? And he's using a, a word over and over. And he's trying to get us to understand that though our words may be small, right? Although our words are small, they have weight behind them. 
right? They have weight behind them. What do I mean by that? There's probably two sayings you grew up uh, saying growing up. At least I did. Whenever you heard something or was being bullied or, or a word was hurt you, you probably said, I'm rubber and you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you, right? You might have said that growing up. Or you might have said this one. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Right? You've probably said those two a couple of times, but here's, here's the reality. That wasn't true. Right? When you grew up, the more that you began to know, that wasn't true. They affected you. The words that were said to you began to have an impact on your life, and they affected you. And so James is telling us the very same thing. He's saying that's not true. And if you look at verse 6, what he's saying is the tongue, like a small spark, He's using that word small, spark, is a great forest fire that, is, that it corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire. He would say our words matter. They have the power right, to build up or tear down. And it's important for us to understand the weight behind our words, right? It's important for us to gather understand how much weight our words have. I asked somebody to help me this morning to volunteer if they want to come on up here and just stand right here. If you want to come on up here and just stand right here and just hold your arms out this way. So have your hands out like this and you can face them. That would be great. I'm going to, I'm going to, let's see what, let's see what happens, right? Yeah, stand right there. That's perfect. All right, our words have weight to them, right? And what we realize is we began to build them up. We began to store them up, and we began to feel the effects of them. And so when somebody says something like, hey, you're a failure, or hey, you didn't make the basketball team, or hey, you weren't good enough, we began to feel the weight. Or they say, hey, you should, you're too big. You should really uh, lose weight. You should watch and go on a diet. Or you're too small. You're too skinny, right? You're too, you're too tall. And when they begin to just use words that affect us, and we began to just continue to balance them. We began to just continue to allow them to affect us. And we get shaky, right? We get, we get shaky, and it becomes harder and harder. But we try. We try, and we keep trying. We try to not let them affect us. We try to not let them impact our lives, but they matter, right? Our words matter, right? They have an impact on our lives. They affect us in great ways until eventually we can't bear them anymore, right? And they fall, and they break. Thank you so much. We, thank you for that. And we fall. Yeah, give a round of applause. And here's, here's what I'm trying to say in that. We don't always remember what was said, but we do remember how it made us feel, right? We do remember how it made us feel, and we remember the weight that we carried and the impact that it had on our lives. And for some of us, we try to carry that around and around until there becomes a breaking point, right? Uh, a great researcher, John Gottman, said the magic ratio is five to one. What is, it, what is he saying? He's saying this means that for every negative feeling or interaction between a couple or in a relationship, there must be five positive feelings or interactions. Stable and happy couples share more positive feelings and actions than negative ones. Think about that. I, I, I share that so you can consider practicing it. Maybe share five words, positive words uh, with someone this week and watch how it impacts their life. But I also share that to, for us to better understand the weight of our words. 
for one negative, we have to say five positive. Right? Think about that. That's a lot of weight that we carry when our words are ugly, a lot like our sweaters. See, our words matter. The words that we share matter. The words that we use matter. And the metaphor that James uses in this passage matters. He's not just saying our words are small, right? He's not just saying that, but he's also saying our words are tools, Our words are tools. Not only are they small and they have this impact and and that they matter, but our words are tools. A lot like this hammer, right? A hammer is pretty unique. What makes it unique is the fact that it is used for building up and it's also used for tearing down. If you gave me some nails this morning and maybe some pieces of wood, I'm not sure I could build you anything, but there's somebody here that could use that and build you something, right? But it's also used for tearing down. If I were to start using this on some walls and some different things in the church, I would probably be able to tear it down as well, right? And so James is calling our attention to say, look, our words matter. They are tools that we use and how we use them makes a difference in building up and tearing down. See, when our words uh, Excuse me, when we use our words with the same purpose that they were created and intended for, we build up and allow there to be room for God to take what is ugly and make it beautiful. When we allow God to use our words and we use them like a hammer for what it is intended for, right? To build up. We allow God to take what is ugly and make it beautiful. Think about the impact that could happen if we use positive words to communicate and lift up those around us. Our words have weight. They are tools to be used, and although small, they have a lasting impact. See, words, both good and bad, are affirming. They tell us what we already are feeling, or they tell us what we need to know. Words of affirmation are words that communicate your love and appreciation and respect for one another. They are positive words and phrases used to uplift someone. What if we realize this Christmas the word uh, the world is already ugly enough? See, my sweater, this isn't quite a sweater, uh, but it's already ugly enough, right? The world and all that it is, it's messy, it's complicated, it's already ugly enough. What if we realize the impact that our words could have on the world? And we allowed God to use them to make something beautiful. I'm thankful for the imagery that James gives us in this passage. But I'm also thankful that he doesn't stop there, right? His warning doesn't stop there. James also knows how hard it is to control our tongue and the things we say, right? He knows how hard it is when we're in moments and we're in situations to control our tongue and, and, and the things we say. Look at, look at verses uh, seven and eight. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless, evil, full of deadly poisons. When, when, what he is saying is the tongue is a hard thing to control. He uses it like a forest fire. You've probably seen on the news many times when there's a forest fire, there's multiple people trying to put that fire out, right? There's sometimes helicopters and different things that come in to try and put that fire out. And it takes a lot to tame it. Because here's the problem. The damage and the impact of what was said has already been done. Right? It's already been done. I thought of two people 
when I was thinking about words and controlling the words that we say. The first one I thought about was Ralphie from A Christmas Story. You might, have, you might know this movie. It's, it's on repeat uh, this time of year around Christmas or maybe on Christmas. But Ralphie, this whole movie was Ralphie trying to do everything he could to prove to his parents that he deserved a Red Ryder BB gun. Right, He wanted a Red Ryder BB gun. And he was trying to show, hey, I'm mature enough. I'm capable. I'm not going to shoot my eye out. Right, I, I'm trying to prove it to you. But then there's a part in the movie where Ralphie lets a word slip and his mom has to put soap in his mouth. Right, he, he has tried everything he can to control it. And for the most part, we would say he can't control it. But yet, it still happened. Then there is the Grinch. Right? We, we talked a little bit about him last week. The Grinch knew, what, he knows what he is doing, and he, and he knows what he is saying. And it didn't matter what was in its path because the Grinch didn't care who he hurt. Right? The Grinch didn't have any problem with who he hurt. Really, the Grinch uh, meant to probably say something that would hurt. Why? Because for the Grinch, Christmas was already ugly, so he just embraced it. He just said, listen, it's already ugly to me, so I'm just going to embrace it, and I'm going to allow everything around me to embrace it and become ugly. But there's something that connects the Grinch a little bit more uh, to what James is saying in this passage. If you look at verses 9 through 12, it says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt, uh, salt spring produce fresh water. I like that James uses the imagery now of a fig tree and grapevines, but he continues to draw our attention to what we can't control. He continues to draw our attention by the words that we say. And I love how uh, the New Testament connects this. If you look at Matthew chapter 12, we see Matthew use the same kind of language when it comes to trees and the fruit that they bear and the fruit that you and I bear. He says this in verse 12, starting in verse 33. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I want you to underline that, highlight that, circle it, write it down. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. See, the point that James is trying to make, and I think Matthew's trying to make for us this morning, is we can't control what we say until we control what the heart is full of. Right? We want to control it. We want to. But James is saying, like a forest fire, it's hard to. Even Ralphie, of all people, who was trying to prove to his parents that he was good enough, still couldn't control it. And we are people, maybe like the Grinch, that, that sometimes ugliness has happened to us, and so we're going to say things, right? And we don't care who it hurts. But James and Matthew, they're drawing our attention to say, look, you can't control it. This isn't a matter of just do better, right? This isn't a matter of just get it next time. This is a matter of examining our hearts and say, what are we filling our hearts? What are our hearts full of? Maybe you're more like Ralphie or maybe you're like the Grinch. We have said or have had something said to us that was ugly. It wasn't right. 
It wasn't true. And we experienced it and received it out of a place of hurt and pain and brokenness. Why? Because hurt people hurt people. Right? Like our sweaters, sometimes Christmas can be ugly. Right? But what if... We were able to control, what if we were able to control the weight of our words, the impact of our words, by the things that we filled our hearts up with? See, the Grinch wasn't a bad person. Like our sweaters, he just was filled up with things that were ugly instead of things that were good. I love that passage. What is your heart full of? We're going to talk about next week, Mary. Right? And if you look at the Christmas story, you see language used that Mary says she what? Treasured these things in her heart. She pondered them. She stored them up in her heart. And we're going to look at Mary's life from the, the moment she, of birth all the way to Acts when Jesus has already gone to the cross and he's ascended into heaven and he's left again. And we're going to look at Mary. And I believe what that passage is saying out of what is stored up of your heart comes out of your mouth comes your actions, comes your motives, comes everything about you, right? And so for Mary, she's pondering them. She's storing them up in her because she knows what's coming. It's not always going to be pretty. Sometimes life's ugly. Think about her example. She births a child to lose the child, to get the child back, then to lose it again. It's pretty crazy. And it was pretty ugly. Yet she stored and pondered these things in her heart. Her heart was full of the things of God. So what are you filling your heart up with? Because what you fill it up with matters. I said it last week, but it's going to be a little bit different. Our sweaters may be ugly, but our words don't have to be. If you really think about it, our sweaters, as ugly as they can be, but our words don't have to be. God wants to fill our hearts with him. He wants to fill our hearts with peace and hope and joy and love. And God desires to fill us with things that are good. He wants to desire, his desires to fill us up with things that are of himself. And so James is challenging us. He's just challenging us to examine what our hearts are full of. To allow God to fill them up with who he is. Can we be a church that uses our words to build up others around us? Instead of being like a wildfire, we allow God to fill our hearts with what is good. And, and out of that, we witness the true impact that God intends and created us for. See, like a hammer. What if we were tools that were just gathered together to build up those around us? As, listen, the world's already ugly enough. Can we be a church that uses our words, right, and uses our actions and our motives and our thoughts to build up others around us? Can we say five positive things and speak five positive things into the life of those around us? Maybe that's a coworker. Maybe that's a family member. Maybe that's a stranger or a or, or waiter at a restaurant or wherever it is, the interactions that we have on a weekly basis. Can we say five positive things and speak those into the life of those around us? Can we do that and watch the impact that it has? Can we do that and watch how God wants to take something that is ugly and make it beautiful, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. What if God wants to take the messiness and make something beautiful? We shared about it earlier. He doesn't run away because things get ugly, right? He doesn't run away. He wants to take it and make it beautiful. That's who he is. That's the reason and why he came. I'm going to ask you.